If in our example of comparing men of this world, the best that we can think of, to our Lord Jesus Christ, we come to the issue of shame and or pride. If the captain of the football team and its quarterback were to pick an ugly duckling for his girlfriend, it doesn't happen. But if he were to do it, that great man in our foolish example would be sorely tempted to be ashamed of an inferior girlfriend. If a great king had an inferior wife, he would be sorely tempted to be ashamed of her, and he might be so. If a handsome and a popular guy took an ugly and despised girl to an event, which they do not do for obvious reasons, there would be great occasion for internal angst. What's what's everybody going to think about me having her with me? And there's going to be the external ridicule of others. Are you kidding? That's the best you can do? I only say these things to get your mind working because there is a drama in this universe and the Lord Jesus Christ is the beloved darling of Jehovah, creator of the heavens and the earth. And we are His bride. Is He ashamed of us? He should be ashamed of us. We are the most pitiful, ugly, weak, poor, foolish bride that he could possibly have. And if you don't agree with that, you don't know yourself yet. And you haven't read the Bible yet. He should be ashamed of us. He is the darling of God. He is a man, the man Christ Jesus, at the right hand of God. Around him are all the elect and holy angels. Held out of heaven are all the fallen angels. And before all those angelic beings that are higher than we are, he has taken to the dance foolish and ugly, base and poor sinners like you and me. He should be ashamed of us. All those glorious angels are standing there. Lucifer, one of the brightest of God's creations. What does he think about us? Is he ashamed? You know, if you were that little bride, a little ugly, or an ugly little girlfriend, or an ugly bride, and you had this great captain of the football team that's going to take you, or, or you're marrying a king, you'd be thinking to yourself, he's going to be so ashamed of me when he sees his friends, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes into glory and all the angels are gathered around him, and he's going to show up with us. Yes. It's so weird and twisted that the angels desire to look into these things. You know the Bible says that? The angels desire to look into these things because they can't believe that the ones the Lord Jesus Christ picked and that God the Father chose for them to take to the dance, and I'm using a metaphor, are you and me. Praise the Lord! But He's not ashamed! I need to know right now the name of the epistle in front of John's three epistles. 
I need a name. Peter. Well, let's, 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 let's review again. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In front of first and second, third John, what is there? First and second, Peter. Peter? Peter? You mean the one that at midnight promised he would go to death for the Lord Jesus Christ and at 3 a.m. denied him with cursing and oaths to a little girl? Are we talking about the same man? Does he have two books written with his name on them in the New Testament? Did he call the meeting of the apostles to order in Acts chapter 1? Is he ashamed of Peter? You might be ashamed of Peter. I might be ashamed of Peter. But he's not ashamed of Peter. Did David commit an aggravated, a crime of aggravated murder, aggravated adultery? Is Jesus called the son of David throughout time and in heaven? Did the man come to John in Revelation chapter 5 and say, Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book? Was he ashamed of David? He put his name on his son. Is that comforting to any of you? It's comforting to me. He's not ashamed. He's not ashamed of you. He is going to haul you before the angels of heaven and He is going to put you on thrones with Him and you will judge angels. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. You will judge angels with Him. He is not ashamed. He has exalted you to be sons of God. You are joint heirs with Him and they are servants. You are above them in the hierarchy of heaven. You are the sons of God and the angels are your servants. Though greater in power and might than you and me, we are above them because He's not ashamed of us. He has taken us to the dance and they can mutter and they can desire to look into these things all they want, but we are His and the fallen angels will spend an eternity in the lake of fire for having ever rejected or tried to touch the Son of God and we will spend eternity in pleasure with Him, with the angels as our servants. Do you like the gospel message? That is the gospel message. That is the good tidings of glad things that Jesus Christ has done for us. How could He ever take us home to show His rich Father, who certainly, who must have had better ones in mind than we, but it was our Father, His Father, that chose us to be the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. What are we? You know, we're sacks of water that stink from every orifice, including your sweat pores. You know, the worst orifice you have is your mouth. You've heard that, haven't you? The, the filth, anyway, let's just leave it there. That gets disgusting even to say it. I wrote it in my notes, but I don't even like pronouncing the words. We're disgusting. But we're going to be in heaven. Now, how's he going to make us fit for heaven? He's going to change us. Flesh and blood cannot go into heaven like this because we stink. Nothing stinks can be in heaven. So he's going to change us. Brethren, he has no shame of us at all. If Jesus Christ were to love us, you would think he'd be eternally shamed of us. For we are disgusting in our own sight, and we've got to be disgusting in the sight of the angels. And those measuring him and his bride are almighty God, the elect and fallen angels and hateful men that are our enemies. Do you understand that? 
Do you understand the crowd that is going to be gathered in the great day of judgment are all the wicked men from the history of this world that hate the children of God? There's going to be enemies there that hate you personally. There are going to be all the fallen angels there. There are going to be elect angels wondering who in the world we are. They're going to know about our sins while we're here in this world. Our sins are going to be read from the book of God's works. Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 through 15. Before that great assembly, the books are going to be read and you are not going to have works to get you into heaven. But the Lord Jesus Christ, your mediator, is going to stand up and say, Father, I died for Jonathan Crosby. He is mine. And however you view me, you view him through me because he is mine. And I laid down my life for him and his name is here in the book of life of the Lamb slain, the book of the everlasting covenant. Your divine wrath was upon me, not upon him. Save him. (laughs) Do you know what the righteous say? Do you want to know what the righteous say? Lord, when did we ever do anything worthy to be at your right hand? It's Matthew chapter 25. Because we're going to stand there without anything except our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood and our Father's complete acceptance of him on our behalf. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord and inherit ten cities. Sweet, incredible, unbelievable. It's the gospel. He's not ashamed. There's no shame. It astonishes the angels that he chose us. And yet we'll judge them with him. Look at Hebrews chapter 2 where you can see it in print that he is not ashamed of us. Angels are greater in power and might than we. The Bible admits that. And the context of these verses admit that. That angels are greater. There's a date coming. Have you ever been in a big assembly where your name's called and you go forward and everybody's wondering if you're gonna, what you're gonna get? Is it gonna be good or bad? Ever been in a big assembly? Do you know what kind of an assembly we're going to? How many people have lived on planet Earth since Adam? 83 billion. You say, how'd you calculate it? I didn't. I just pulled it out of a hat. But there's 6.8 of us now, and you figure that, you know, just 40 years ago there was only three, and he wiped it down to eight in the days of Noah. Anyway, I'm just, there is no math. It's a big number. We'll all stand there. How many angels are there? Who knows? It's an innumerable company of angels. In the presence of Almighty God and the Lord Jesus Christ will stand up for each one of us, And he will not be ashamed. And he wants you to know that, that if you believe on him, do you know what the Bible says? He that believeth on him shall not be ashamed. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and have cast yourself upon him as your only Savior and hope of eternal life, You are secure and you will never be ashamed in that day because he's going to own you as his own. He is going to identify you by name that you are his and that he and everything that he is has been given to the Father on your behalf and you will be saved with an everlasting salvation. Verse 10 of Hebrews 2, it became him. 
This glorifies Jesus Christ, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. In bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And then, since the apostle thought that you might doubt that statement, that he is not ashamed to call us brethren, he quotes from the Old Testament to prove it, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. Will I sing praise unto thee? That's from the 22nd Psalm, which is a messianic psalm about Jesus Christ. And they sang a hymn and went out. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. Look at Hebrews 11. I'm not very good at metaphors or pictures. But can you imagine standing before countless angels and countless men and your works are totally short of the glory of God? The Lord Jesus Christ will not be ashamed of us. That is glorious news. That handsome one I described to you who's so merciful is not ashamed that he reached down to the dregs of humanity and picked us to be his bride because that's how he gets the greatest glory and the greatest demonstration of his love. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more than being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Hebrews 11.16 says this, speaking of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I just want verse 16, but now they desire a better country that isn't heavenly. Abraham didn't care anything about the land of Canaan. They desire a better country that isn't heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Do you hear those words? God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Do you look for the coming of Jesus Christ? Are you waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ? Do you want the heavenly Canaan? Is that where your hope is? Those are the evidences that God has prepared for you a city and He is not ashamed to be called your God. So great is our Father's joy and our husband Jesus that He's made us join heir with Him of everything. The angels don't have that position. We do. Join heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus was told once, your, your mother and your brethren are outside and they'd like to speak to you. What? Who's my mother and my brethren? All these that hear the word of God and keep it are my mother and my brethren. Does that help you want to hear the word of God and keep it? That makes us the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not ashamed. He called that. Who was in that audience? Were there very many Pharisees and Sadducees in that audience? Oh, no. Scribes and lawyers, oh no. Levites and Herodians, oh no. Who were they? Publicans and sinners. Right. Harlots. My mother. 
my brethren, my sisters. How can he do that this way? 1 Corinthians 6. There's three verses in the Bible about our church and every other church. How can he do that? I know you know these things, but do you know what a Savior you have? You are all worried about going to work tomorrow, about getting your electricity and your water hooked up and making a trip to Michigan in the middle of it. You're worried about things like that. But what ought to be foremost on your mind is when we stand before God in the great day of judgment to know the Savior. Do you know Him? Do you love Him? Are you serving Him? That day is going to be a dramatic conclusion to our lives as we know them that's unbelievable. It's staggering. He that believeth on Him shall not be confounded. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? An unrighteous person cannot get into heaven. You, you're out. I'm out. Be not deceived. Don't let anyone lie to you. The unrighteous cannot get into heaven. Neither fornicators. Fornicators can't get in. Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, those are faggots or sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. We're all cut out. He would be ashamed to have any of that. Not only ashamed, he would be furious in holy zeal to destroy anyone with those sins on them. Verse 11, And such were some of you, and such were some of us, and such was I. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He would be ashamed if we were left in that state, but He's washed our sins away and He's clothed us with the perfect linen of Jesus Christ's righteousness and He is not ashamed of us. We are sanctified, we are washed, we are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Who did He appear first to after His resurrection from the dead? Mary. What does it say about her when He says that? Mark 16, verse 9. He appeared first of all to Mary... Out of whom he had cast seven devils. Amen. Amen. Was he ashamed of Mary? First to Mary. Was he ashamed of Peter? Did he say, go tell Peter and my disciples that I'm alive? Did you notice that little tiny insertion of Peter? Was he ashamed of Peter? Go tell Peter. I'll meet him. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. When the Lord Jesus Christ by His Spirit, went into paradise when He said, Father, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit. Who did He stand around waiting for? Yes, brother. Lord, remember me when Thou comest into Thy kingdom. 
But verse 10 said, thieves cannot inherit God's kingdom. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. With me. He didn't just say, today thou shalt be in paradise. Do you hear me? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And you know what he says about all of us? In 1 Thessalonians 4, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. He is not ashamed of us. We are his brethren. More could be said. I can't say it. The king shall greatly desire thy beauty. And he is thy Lord. Worship him. Psalm 4511. You know, there's part of me that just wants to look at the epistle of Second Peter and look at that name on a page of my Bible that men have looked at for 2,000 years because Jesus was not ashamed of Peter. Right. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.